0: Before we begin, we'd like to make you aware that the following episode includes references to mental illness, racism, and homophobia. We've got super exciting news. Appalachian Care Chronicles has been renewed for a second season with the support of the Claude Worthington-Benedum Foundation. That means we get to make four more episodes featuring healthcare professionals from across our region. The helping professions represent a huge range of occupations starting with the roles that people usually think of, like doctors and nurses, psychologists, and paramedics. But the healthcare sector is even more diverse than that, and it takes everyone to get communities the care they need. We at Appalachian Care Chronicles want to talk to everyone who makes an impact, from the folks on the ground who draw blood or repair medical equipment, to the record keepers, the research analysts, and the administrators who see the sector from a bird's eye view. We want to know how regular people found pathways to become healthcare specialists, from the ultrasound techs, to the pharmacists, to the dentists, to the physical therapists. We want to hear from everyone who found their purpose and their path in healthcare. Renewing for a second season also means that we're booking pre-interviews with potential care chroniclers. If you work in the healthcare sector and want to share your story with the next generation of helpers, leave us a voicemail at 304-691-0349. That's 304-691-0349. Give us basic info about yourself, your location in Appalachia, a brief description of what you do for work, and how best to contact you. While you're at it, tell us a story about what made you go into healthcare. Can't wait to hear from you.
1: None of this is easy. I know you've heard me say that a thousand times. I would never lie and say, oh, this is easy. Like, it's not, it's not easy.
0: <laughs> Why do you keep doing it?
1: Because I love it. I love people. (laughs) I love people. I love talking to people. I love getting to know people, no matter where they're at. I just I have always liked people. I think that's why social work found me, because that's I'm that person. Like I'm like, no, come over here. Like, what's going on? I'm the person that just interrupts people in the middle of a conversation just to get to know them.
0: I'm Ariana Masagi, and this is Appalachian Care Chronicles, a podcast bringing you stories from every corner of West Virginia's health sector. Join me as we journey alongside a variety of problem solvers, change makers, and daily helpers, all working behind the scenes and on the front lines to care for our communities. Together, we'll explore what they do day to day, the steps that got them there, and the big whys that continue to draw them back. How, in the face of some of the most challenging situations possible, do they manage to keep themselves and the rest of us from falling apart? Far from predictable, the paths they've walked are full of twists and surprises, discovery and purpose. This podcast is for anyone who's ever even thought about going into the healthcare field or has a passion for caring for others in times of need. Let me introduce myself, your host. My name is Ariana, and I'm a graduating medical student at Marshall University in Huntington, West Virginia. That means that very shortly, maybe even by the time you listen to this podcast, I will be a medical doctor specializing in psychiatry. I lovingly call psychiatry the humanities of medicine. In psychiatry, we get to observe patients and discover what their inner life is like. If it is dysfunctional, disordered, distressing, or diseased, we can employ all different types of therapies to help heal them. The most popular methods of therapy are medical therapy, which is just taking medications, and psychotherapy, which has many different types and can be practiced by counselors, psychologists, or, the focus of today's story, social workers. Social work can look like many different things. As I just mentioned, it can be doing therapy, either one-on-one or in groups, for anything from substance use disorder to anxiety. It can also mean helping people find housing or getting them the resources they need to apply for a job. It can mean continuing your education in psychology or philosophy or environmental studies. Really, the possibilities are endless. Today's guest, Shaquille Harris, helps us discover some of the paths that social work can take. As a professor, He helps students find their passion and place in social work. He has seen all sorts of people and spent his life in service to whoever he meets. Like so many of us when finding our calling, Shaquille didn't seek out his path in social work as much as stumble into it. His first passion was music.
1: You know, my parents raised us, but I do think that my grandmother was an inaugural part in where I am today, right? So I was with her a lot. She made sure that we had every opportunity in the world. Um, And so she got me into piano. Um, My primary instrument was actually the flute. And I really fell in love just with classical music in general and what it allowed me to do to kind of let go and express myself. I enjoyed it. I joined band, I joined pet band, and it was a lot of hard work.
0: After playing in band all throughout middle and high school, he was admitted to Marshall on a music scholarship. But then things got hard.
1: Nights staying up until 2 to 3 a.m., you know, in the practice rooms. And so finally, I just found myself in a weird headspace of confusion, like most people do. It's like, okay, maybe this isn't the fit for me. Uh, where can I go next? The cool thing is is that's when I think I realized that the reason why I wanted to be in music is because I truly wanted to help others express themselves Um, and so along that journey I did meet someone who pushed me into kind of taking an intro to social work course and just really getting to know them really opened up my eyes to maybe this is what I want to do. And so I took that first class, just the basics of what social workers do in the field, um, just that whole social justice aspect and really working to truly help people. It was like an aha moment, right? It was like, oh my gosh, like I can go into this field and actually make money doing something that I really love. And so that's really where I transitioned and kind of changed.
0: When I first heard this part of Shaquille's story, I felt so seen. I was a music major in college too. So much of the appeal of going into music is bringing to others the same joy and depth of emotion that you feel whenever you play and listen. Unfortunately, a lot of a musician's life isn't in front of an audience. And so that satisfaction of bringing the beauty of music to others doesn't come every day. My love and passion is to bring joy and comfort to others, and music wasn't as direct of a way to do that. I think both Shaquille and I decided to reroute our path a little bit to make that happen.
1: Social work really is founded in the social justice aspect, right? So meeting people where they are and in helping them to build a foundation, whether that be individuals, you know, communities or, or groups, Um, Meeting, you know, those foundational needs and then guiding them in a way that helps them help themselves. Um, And so we really look at the person and the environment, I think, in comparison to other professions. Although they, they take that in consideration, our focus is what we call like the ecological perspective. So everything around a person affects them in some way whether that be their parents, whether that be their parents' co-workers, whether that be some of those environmental factors such as chemical spills, um, violence in the media. I mean, all of that stuff really makes you know that person and affects them in some way or in some fashion. And so it's our jobs to look at all that, help them process what they're perceiving and help them move to that next level. Social work was really, the baby of psychology and sociology kind of mixed together. Sociology just looks at, at, the, at the community as a whole. Um, psychology really focuses a lot more on the psyche and, and the cognitive pieces of an individual. And I think our superpower really is putting those two together and just starting with that individual and what they're dealing with in the moment. Um, what are they actually ready to do to move forward? They can't get anywhere unless those bottom basic needs are met. And so, if it's housing insecurities or food insecurity, if those are some of the things that are on their minds, why or how could we help them in any other way? You know, they're not worried about all the outside stuff. Um, and so, I think our superpower is just almost having x ray vision. I'm going to say that. We have x ray vision, essentially.
0: At the end of the day, as Shaquille said, it really comes down to helping people express themselves, which is so powerful, especially when you're helping people through their hardest days, such as learning they've been diagnosed with a terminal illness. A few years back, Shaquille was providing therapy services to individuals struggling with substance use disorder. He conducted an intake with a new patient, and together they began to craft a plan for the patient's recovery. Then the hour was up.
1: I had to have done something right in building the relationship because the next time he came in, he actually shared with me that he had just came from the department and had been diagnosed with HIV. We're working with real situations and real people, and it's not easy, but it's extremely important. Um, And so with him, we had that conversation of just safety in general, right? And just talking to him about this isn't the end and there are processes in place that could help you. Um, There are medications that we could talk about. You know, we can continue to move on with therapy. We can work on several different things in therapy to kind of help you process that a little bit better. Um, And really just maintaining his overall health and his mental health. Um, so I could, you know, recommend him to a doctor, and luckily we had doctors on staff that were able to kind of help that medical need, but once we got that, it's really, we had to work and pay attention to his mental health and and what he was going through and how he was going to get through that. Really again, just talking to him and, and letting him know, you know, this doesn't define you as a person. This isn't your last stop.
0: I'm going to interject here to take some time to learn about HIV while we're on the topic. HIV is a virus that attacks the body's immune system. If it's not treated, it can lead to AIDS. Once people get HIV, they have it for life. But with proper medical care, HIV can be controlled. People with HIV who get effective treatment can live long, healthy lives and protect their partners and families. According to data from the West Virginia Department of Health and Human Resources, there was a 44% increase in new HIV diagnoses in 2020 compared to the previous year. One of the main factors increasing rates of HIV is injection drug use. This is a particular problem in West Virginia, which has one of the highest rates of injection drug use and substance use disorder in the United States. A major challenge for managing HIV is the stigma surrounding it, which can prevent people from seeking testing and treatment or disclosing their status to others. This stigma can also lead to discrimination and isolation for those living with HIV, which can have negative impacts on their mental and physical health.
1: It's all about empathy, right? I think there's a confusion between what sympathy and empathy is. And when you ask someone, they're like, what is like, it's this or that. But Remember that empathy is not only understanding where a person's from, but really trying to put yourself in their shoes um, and communicating that in a way that they feel as if you under you know you truly understand. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to have experienced it, right? But you're but you're attuned to them essentially. You're there in the moment, you're present in the moment, and they're the only thing that matters. And so that's what I think is, is a takeaway from this is, you know, if you see someone or have a feeling if someone isn't doing okay, ask them if they're not doing okay. Um, and encourage them to speak out and say when they're not okay.
0: Appalachian Care Chronicles is made possible thanks to the West Virginia Higher Education Policy Commission and Claude Worthington-Benedim Foundation, serving communities in West Virginia and Southwestern Pennsylvania since 1944. Although Shaquille makes a point of entering every new situation and patient interaction with compassion and an open mind, there are times when personal boundaries must be set.
1: I always make sure that everybody knows that this is a safe space. You know, anything goes. Um, I want us to be able to communicate in a way that if something's bothering you, you can say it and there won't be an issue with it. And the same, if something's bothering me, then I want the freedom to say that too. And I just say it. That's... I just put that out there. Um, And then, again, when I hear certain things or when certain things come into sessions, I speak that. I say that out loud.
0: Shaquille had just moved to southern West Virginia and was working as a therapist at another agency there, in a small, rural town with a population that was 99% white, when he found himself tested professionally in a way he never had been before.
1: I did have a few patients. Who had difficulties adjusting to me as a therapist just because I'm black um, or because I'm gay? Making microaggressions is what we call them, you know, so not right out making comments per se, but saying things in a way like, you know, I have no problem with, you know, my daughter being gay, but she could never date a black guy. that comment was made and I actually said, you know what, maybe we need to end, you know, session. And I just poured out what I was feeling in that moment. I was just like, I just feel I'm offended, you know, in this moment. I don't think that was appropriate, Um, you know, so I'm gonna end this session a little bit earlier to kind of collect myself and I was very vulnerable with that. And he left, I thought he was never gonna come back, but he did come back. And he came back that next time and he actually apologized, which was like, whoa, like you apologized to me. But I think that's all in what we, what I'd already set the stage for. So I did help someone by saying something. And and like I said, I think if one person shows someone that they care, it opens up the door for so many opportunities. Studies have always shown if we open that door for communication, they feel more comfortable later down the road to have that conversation. Because that's the idea, right? Is if we start talking about anything, start talking about it, they'll be more amped to open up and talk about it and help themselves. And so that's the good feeling of it. Like, I just like how difficult it is in working through some of the things and on the, coming out on the other end and a client really being happy and excited that they've made all these accomplishments. And together we can say that was hard, but it's not going to be as hard moving forward.
0: Social work in particular pays careful attention to how people are shaped by the systems and communities they're part of. There's a fundamental understanding that in order to make true, lasting change in individuals' lives, we have to build a better society too. And many avenues exist to do just that.
1: It is such a diverse field. It's what you make of it. With my BSW, I started off working in a foster care agency, a private agency. So I was able to be what they call a home resource coordinator. So I went and... You know, made sure that all the things were checked off the list to open up a new foster home uh, and did some of those trainings with all my foster parents to prepare them for kids that enter the home. Got my MSW working on my uh, play therapy certification also my independent license but I'm finishing up my MBA which I like the more administrative side of the social work field um, which I can see that opening up a lot more doors for me just understanding how Bigger macro systems work, right? So most of what you're going to get when you start out is micro level, person on person. But if you really work towards, you know, higher education, then you can start working on a more macro macro level.
0: For Shaquille, part of working at the macro level and creating a healthier society means helping train our state's future social workers.
1: We don't have enough clinicians in any of our helping professions. We don't have enough clinicians to really help the amount of people that need help. I want to really help train that next generation of clinicians. I really believe in that. you know through what we're talking about and how we operate in the classroom I want to prepare you to the best of my ability and encourage you you know to continue to grow within yourself that way when you do get these positions because you know we are coming up to a lot of people retiring and so there are gonna be a lot of people moving into higher positions and you get these positions and you not only know what you're doing but now you have the power to make actual change and you're confident in that again it's not easy but it's fun and it's So, to me, it's probably one of the most rewarding professions to be in.
0: Many of Shaquille's classes are small groups, an intimate environment for students to learn how to support people through some of the most challenging experiences of their lives.
1: Um, So let's just kind of get started. So last week we talked a little bit about the types of trauma, Um, and then I want to make sure that we get to a biopsychosocial point of view. Uh, Before we get started, any questions? I just put through a play therapy course or an intro to play therapy course, and so that'll give them an opportunity just to learn about some of the interventions you can use with with children, such as art, um, sand tray, um, using other mediums, like just play in general. So block building. Uh, So they'll do a lot of very hands-on, get on the floor, kind of stuff in that course. Um, and just the, the process of play therapy in general. So this class is kind of like the beginning of that, but uh, the play therapy introduction actually gives you an understanding of how important it is. Um, I also teach on our online program. So I have an administrative uh, track for the MSW. And so I get to teach that leadership course. And then also in the spring, I get to teach a social policy course or a mental health policy course. Hopefully in the future I'll be adding more and more, um, but for now those are the ones I'm doing and then undergrad they get to see me in human behavior and the social environment. What's really cool is a, a, a student that has reached out recently has passed her licensure exam and she's currently working with children um, with Marshall Health. Um, and then also a few students have gone on and moved away to you know, other parts of the state um, and are, are they working in substance use and uh, addiction or in family therapy? Um, and that's been the cool part about the outlook of it. And I had a student that even said that, you know, although I never thought, you know, or no, I, you know, not that I'm ever going to work with kids, but a lot of the stuff that I've learned in your class, I can see how I could apply that to what I'm doing now. And he currently works in a hospital. Outpatient settings or an emergency room. And so he says that he's able to use those skills to build a relationship fast to really understand what's going on. That way he can refer out to other services. Uh, so our students are really, I think, doing great things, I mean, and, and moving places and doing even better things for our communities.
0: Here in Appalachia, the need for new social work and mental health care professionals is immense. Our population-to-provider ratio is about 35 to 50 percent lower than the national average, with rural counties demonstrating the greatest health disparities due to their barriers to care, like poor transportation, financial limitations, and persisting stigma, to name just a few. But these obstacles can be overcome. And that starts with equipping young professionals with the tools necessary to return to their hometowns to provide the type of care that they know would have benefited their families, their neighbors, and themselves growing up. The type of care that will turn their present communities into places where their own children can thrive.
1: There's this weird thing, and we're in Appalachia, and that's what we do, right? Like, we... Keep things within. Everything's always taught to keep things within your family. Don't talk about it. I mean, there's so many things we can, you know, so many conversations we can have going down that road. But I think we need to change that and we need to say it's okay to be sad and say that you're sad. It's okay to be angry and communicate with someone and say, I'm angry. You know, I think there's a fear if I say, Are you, how's your day? or Are you doing okay that someone will actually say, I'm not okay. And then we're like, oh my God, what do we do next? You know what I mean? Um, But it's not really about what you say after that, it's what you do after that, right? So maybe it's all they need is just a hug or maybe for you to kind of guide them to sit down and talk more about it. Just listen. And that's kind of what I feel like I do, is just listen.
0: Appalachian Care Chronicles is a production of the West Virginia Higher Education Policy Commission, Health Sciences Division. Special thanks to the Claude Worthington-Benedim Foundation and the College of Health Professions at Marshall University for their support. For more information about educational opportunities related to health care in West Virginia, visit appcarepod.com. That's appcarepod.com. I'm Ariana Misagi, and you've been listening to Appalachian Care Chronicles. Join us for our next episode featuring the one and only Jan Raider, the first woman to lead a professional fire department in West Virginia, Time 100 most influential person in 2018, and current director of the Huntington Mayor's Council on Public Health and Drug Control Policy. I guarantee this is a conversation you won't want to miss.